Hello, welcome back to the Educate Ebony podcast. I'm your host, Ebony, and we're about to kick off episode one of season two, the Prog Edition. If you listened in last season for the Metal Edition, thank you so much. And if you're new here, welcome. This is a podcast where I try to expand my music knowledge by talking to a wide range of people in the music industry and ask them the question, what is the one album that I need to hear? This season, it's all about prog, prog rock, prog metal, anything prog really. And I think throughout each episode, you'll really see that prog can be understood in many different ways. If you do want to see what else is going on, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Educate Ebony. None of that TikTok, I'm not ready for that yet. So come and say hi. And if you feel like giving this podcast a rating, if you like it or if you don't, you do you. That'd be great though. Okay, I think that's enough from me. Let's kick this off. Just a heads up. I found Geld super, super hard for this whole interview. All right, well, we are kicking off season two of Educate Ebony with a huge guest. He was the very first person I wrote down when I was writing my list of ideal guests for the prog edition sometime last year, and it's finally happening. So I would love to introduce Ian Kenny. We, of course, know him from Carnival and Birds of Tokyo fame, being an incredible vocalist and a captivating frontman with almost hypnotic dance moves. And now you get to know him even more as he educates us on the one prog album, we all need to hear. So Kenny, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Wow, what an intro. That was unreal. <laughs> I, love it. I prepped it weeks in advance. So <laughs> oh, it's, it was amazing. It's amazing. Uh, no, it is true though. Um, especially in the Carnival live stream last year. I don't know why, but your dance moves, they're not really moves. They're like, you just groove, but it's just, you could, I could watch you for days. Yes. It's some sort of, <laughs> of dancing, isn't it? I, I, I think it's just, in, in, you know, it's interpretive interpreting what the band feels like I think when you're on stage with um you know a band like Carnival the way that band sort of moves sonically it actually physically moves you it's very reactive stuff and yes I I think I just I do that I think that's what I do we like it keep keep it up it's good (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. well with this season being I guess all about every single facet of prog and I'm aware it can be a broad genre with like many different understandings what is prog to you? I think prog to me is, it's just, you know, something slightly outside the box that's progressive in its nature. I mean, I've, I've always aligned alternative heavier music with prog. I think it's my interest is somewhere in the middle of those two. So prog is just progressive stuff and stuff that's just, like I said, just outside the box. It's not so straight up and down. It, it's deliberately a lot more. There's a lot more, you know, in it in prog music a lot lot of layers to it yeah a lot more going on you really have to dissect it to see everything hear everything yeah i think yeah totally and so it's funny i I actually outside a handful of bands i I don't really know how much of a prog dude i am because i listen to so much other stuff but i can tell you that prog it's left a mark on me my experience in prog and and what it means to me it's left a, a wonderful mark on me Oh, well, let's get stuck into it. What is the one prog album that I need to hear? So this is one of my faves. It's actually the reason why we can talk about it. It was just so influential when it hit me. And that would be Super Unknown by Soundgarden. And I'm kind of glad that no one else has done this in your, you know, world here. I thought maybe if, if if I'm the first grade, if it comes up again, cool. But it's just, it's an album that came out in 94, I don't think I actually got to it until like, I don't know, 96. I think the stuff I was listening to at that time aligned with Super Unknown and Soundgarden. I'm a massive fan of what this 
than does and super unknown at the time man back then it just I hadn't heard anything like it I didn't know you could do that sort of thing outside just straight up sort of alternate rock or alternate metal these guys just hit me in a certain way and I just heard something very different very different for me in in this record Mm. This album is 28 years old and I only know that because I was born in 93. So like, where were you <laughs> when you first heard it? You were young, were you starting a musical career or where was it for you? So what, it's like 94, this came out. So 90, I don't think I heard this till like 90, 96, 97. I got to it a bit late. So I was probably just graduating, I think. See, at the time... Yeah, I was just graduated at that time, like in uh, end of high school, we should just make these bands each week. <laughs> and honestly, we would, we, the guys I used to play with in high school would make bands that last about eight days and then they'd fold because they just do at that time. You don't know what you're doing or they don't work. And then we start another one with different players. And we just did that for the last two years of high school, just making and breaking these bands. And towards the end of that, you know, graduating. And then I played with Drew in full already because he and I went to school together and I went to school with his brother. So we were kind of listening to the same things getting out of high school. And, you know, after that, a few years after that carnival sort of the infancy of all that began. So super unknown. That was pretty influential, I think, to what my idea, my understanding of what prog could be. Mm. So what parts of this album, um, I guess, really caught your attention? What makes it so great that you were like, Oh, I love that guitar riff or I love what they're doing with this transition or something. Oh, there's many, many parts of it. A lot of it is in, yeah, it's in the playing. I mean, Chris Cornell as a vocalist, oh, yeah, just as a singer-songwriter, he's incredible. Killer voice, killer melodies, and just, and, and, and you know, can clearly write um, amazing music. So, of course, melodically, I always hear that first, but I mean, it's just probably aligned with what I do, but that struck me immediately. And then just listening to the playing, I mean, Matt Cameron's playing as a drummer, is unreal and what that rhythm section there with Ben Shepard when they're together what they sort of produce as a, as a rhythm section it's just unreal especially what's happening above it with the two guitar parts and of course Cornell's vocal and Kim Thiles just guitar playing like his choice of direction and his choice of notes and his sound like he's so a lot of it is just unusual choices of guitar work just Cornell they're the two very different players I think Cornell kind of had a bit more meat on the bone because he was probably more hands-on in the actual design of most of the songs on, on the record. But you got Kim Thal there just doing his thing and it's kind of off to, it's always a little bit off to the left or off to centre sort of as in its approach, but it's wicked. There's something really unique about that dude's playing. I've never been able to put my finger on it, but that's probably why I find it so attractive. Yeah, even now... Um... Many, many years down the track, you're still like, this is the one, 100%. Absolutely. And like like I was saying before, when you talk about prog, I think you're just talking about pushing the envelope a bit in what can you do with this piece of music? What can you do with the design of this piece of music? And, and a lot of the stuff on Super Unknown, like it's so not just straight time. They play over bars. They add extra feel sections on the end of things that you probably wouldn't but they do and they do it it's designed so well the playing on that even now listen to it i'm like god damn it like the writing on this record is 
killer, like killer. And it still sounds good, like 28 years old. Yeah. And it sounds real good. It's interesting that like, um, you know, quite a few older albums still sound good or like people are saying that, you know, the production or the mixing and mastering is still like top notch today, which is really cool because we have such different technology and different ways of doing things as well. So I don't know, 10 out of 10. Yeah, 10 out of 10, especially. I mean, but this is this uh, this was probably one of those records. What we're talking like mid 90s, 94 is when it was done. Like when yeah. you're talking about alternate rock or prog or grunge or whatever that those bands who sort of had it together and another had the budget or just sort of had their foot in the, in things there, they were making great sounding records, like the producers at the time. And like that was just a bit of a golden era for that sort of stuff. That's true. Yes. Obviously, this album became pretty important to you pretty, pretty quickly. Was there like a period where, I don't know, I find for me as well, like, you know, you forget about music from your teenage years and then it comes back, uh, you know, a decade later, you're like, oh, I can't believe I forgot about this. It is still so great. Did you ever have like a period like that or it was always, this is the, not that this is the goal, but like, we like this, I like this. Let's keep that up there on the pedestal to reach towards. Yeah, I think I've been I've, I've been listening to this record on and off ever since it sort of hit me, and I it, I keep finding it. It keeps coming round again. There's a lot in it that I uh, reference. I think sometimes when I'm trying to find stuff in my in my own music, when I'm trying to figure things out, or just yeah, it's a pretty important record to me. I actually, it's funny. Even now, I'm, I'm probably just getting the gravity of it. Like when end of yeah, just just sort of graduating and, and deciding about, you know, how am I going to do this music thing? <laughs> there was a handful of records, this being one of them, where I was just like, it's been a bit of a, a stable for me just to sort of get back to and revisit and refine a lot. So you now still listen to it. Like it still, still keeps coming up. Yeah. I think it's, especially the prog genre in these types of albums, you know, if you take, for example, maybe pop or something along those lines, they might age a little bit just because of the style of the lyrics or, or whatever else is going on there. But I do feel like prog can be timeless. Like you think about 70s prog and where it first all kicked off, you can still listen to it today and be like, people don't make that kind of music anymore and it just could flow on forever, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a good point. And then, yeah, some things like that that have that effect, they just won't be... Yeah, they won't be made again. And it's funny, we talk about prog as a thing. When I first heard this record, I don't think I was that aware. All, all I think I was just initially being hit by this piece of music. I was like, God, this is making me feel a certain way. It's awesome. What is this? Um, I don't think I actually, after really sitting with the record for a long time and sort of being affected by it, I didn't understand how progressive this record is. Like, it is so not your up and down rock record, like super unknown, the writing as, as I've been talking about on this, the actual songs on this thing and, and the, the design of what's gone into it. It's incredible. And the playing again, Matt Cameron, can't talk about him enough as a drummer. Like it's just out of control, good. And songs like, you know, Black Hole Sun and Spoon Man, even though Spoon Man's not my favourite, as in, well, I love the record, but uh, Black Hole Sun and super unknown that title track is off its head good the actual playing in it is it's wild it's so good so when you hear a record like this and you're like this is incredible and you want to know more about it 
do you study the record? Do you like listen to it a lot? Or is there like someone you could talk to who knows more about music at the time? And you're like, tell me what they're doing here. I need to know what's going on. Or like, how do you, I don't know, for me, I guess, you know, I've got the internet nowadays, but back in 96, it wasn't overly prevalent. What did you do? We basically, yeah, we shared around by talking about it. And, and funny enough, we played through it. We oh, would work yeah. out. You, basically, they become, to a point, they became study pieces where you'd, you'd go in and try, try and play it, like, and try. You know, like, a lot of it was pretty <laughs> demanding stuff. Like, I'm not a good guitarist, but um, enough I could kind of figure out basically how or why the song moved the way it did by messing around on guitar and, of course, studying Chris Connell's vocal stuff is just awesome. And, yeah, um, in the carnival camp, that was kicked around a lot. I mean, Jono, if I can speak for him, I'm pretty sure he got his head around a lot of that too by just figuring out the language in the playing. Uh, John plays bass, but he's actually a very good guitarist and pianist. Oh, um, and Drew, of course, playing guitar, you know, just sort of figuring out all those things out. So we just sort of basically hacked at it and tried to figure it out. But yeah, try being the word there. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty demanding records, pretty full on. No, that's cool. Well, so you obviously know it super, super well. Is there an aspect of this album that you really love that maybe the first time listener, myself, would overlook? I mean, the front of the record is kind of loaded with maybe a bit more accessible stuff. I mean, Fell on Black Days kind of is. Black Hole Sun was kind of that pin-up song for the record and Spoon Man again. So it moves it moves very well as, as a listen. But there's something about the, I don't know, the two-third mark at the back end. It sort of just changes colour a bit. It gets a little bit darker and grungier or almost which probably makes sense as a progressive record it was definitely coming out of that time you know this is a band that came out of Seattle and very much out of that grunge scene with with all those bands which kind of makes this record for me uh, uh, even more special because it really smashed the mold on any of that but yeah the back half it's just a different different listen it's, it's cool awesome I'm looking forward to it and this is probably my favorite question carrying on from last season as well. But what are my listening notes? Like, how should I listen to this album? Should I be doing something in a certain mind frame or place? Good question. Anywhere, I would say, <laughs> is pretty good. Just not your laptop because they suck. <laughs> um, just, yeah, really good. It's a really good headphone listen. I wouldn't say it's background sort of stuff i would say it's a really good headphone listen if you're in the car in the car is real good i do some of my best listening in the car it's like it's like your brain has time to listen to this but it's also on enough to not crash into kill anyone you know like yeah it's like <laughs> like <laughs> but really it's a really good little close environment so cars are good if your stereo is good but um yeah only because there's so much in this record, the nuances in this record, I kind of nerd out on, I would say, headphones. Okay. Um, and take it from there, yeah. I like that. Cool, cool, cool. All right, is there anything else you want to add about this album that we should know? No, just just check it out. And check it out and then have a listen and then just do a little bit of thinking about it. I mean, that it was probably supposed, you know, Super uh, Soundguard were never going to be that straight up grunge band but they were lumped in with you know the um, Alice in Chains group and 
you know, the Pearl Jams and all that sort of stuff. Not so much the, the Nirvana thing. They were doing a different type of rock. But the fact that they this record is so progressive for, for that time, it's that's the magic in it. It's it's awesome. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to listen to it. Chuck it on first yes. album of the season. Yeah. Love it. I'm excited. Amazing. There we have it. The one prog album that Ian Kenny thinks that you and I should listen to is Soundgarden Super Unknown. Kenny, thank you so much for your wisdom. I can't wait to listen to it from your point of view. Oh, pleasure. It's always good to talk to you. So thanks for your time too. I'm so excited to have you back for our second season. Our second season. It's just me. Jesus Christ. And if you feel like giving this podcast a rating, look, that'd be pretty cool too. Oh, that sounded so fake. If you listened in last season for the metal edition, thank you so much. And if you're here, oh, well, you're here. Um, and if you're new here, welcome.